Okay, so I'll be discussing uh, Proposal 3, Reproductive Freedom for All. So what is Prop 3? This is the language that has been approved um, by the State Board of Canvassers for the ballot, um, a proposal to amend the state constitution to establish new individual right to reproductive freedom, including the right to make all decisions about pregnancy and abortion, uh, to allow the state to regulate abortion in some cases, and forbid prosecution of individuals exercising that established right. So I, um, I will go through more of these in detail a bit further on, but I wanted to put the language up um, for you to see. So a quick overview of what I will be talking about today. Um, I'm going to go through a brief timeline and history of the laws governing abortion, uh, particularly in Michigan, um, as important background. I'll provide more detailed summary of, of Proposal 3 and its key provisions. And then I'm going to discuss three potential pathways forward based on um, the potential outcome of the ballot proposal and the impacts um, that could follow. So quick timeline. Um, most states, including Michigan, had laws that prohibited abortion to some degree. Um, Michigan first passed uh, their laws on abortion in 1846. These were later recodified um, in 1931. This might be why you've heard um, people refer to the 1931 statute. Um, the language was actually first passed in 1846. Um, Michigan had a law that penalized in individuals that take certain actions to procure a miscarriage um, with an exception for when it is necessary to preserve the life of the woman. Um, and this applied to um, pregnancies before the state of quickening, which is generally referred to as the first fetal movement. There was a separate, um, a separate law that prohibited the willful killing of an unborn quick child. So even back in 1846, they were differentiating between different stages um, of pregnancy. Since then, at that point there, in the 20th century, a growing public health movement to um, legalize abortions, which culminated in the 1972 U.S. Supreme Court decision, um, Roe v. Wade, which established a constitutional right to abortion. Um, it ruled that the right to privacy uh, encompassed the right to abortion in the first trimester, uh, making state bans on abortion procedures in the first trimester unconstitutional. In 1973, the Michigan Supreme Court case, People v. Bricker, um, specifically invalidated the 1931 statute um, that had criminalized abortion um, and basically said this was unenforceable for abortions in the first trimester of a pregnancy. So after Roe v. Wade was passed, um, pretty much since the time it passed, several groups wanted to overturn it. Um, and as that kind of movement gained steam, um, it, there were just more laws and regulations that um, started to regulate abortion in Michigan. Um, there were several laws um, enacted relating to funding, licensing, um, informed consent, all sorts of things to try to regulate abortion um, even more. Um, this happened in other states as well, culminating in 2022 um, with the recent decision, Dobbs v. International Women's Health Organization, um, which overturned Roe, said that the fundamental right to privacy does not include abortion. And so this kind of un upended the current le the legal framework that we had been accustomed to. Um, in Michigan, um, as other states were kind of prepared for this to happen, um, there were some lawsuits filed in Michigan to invalidate the 1931 law to basically argue that um, under the Michigan Constitution, this law would violate the fundamental right to bodily integrity. 
So before moving forward, I just want to do a quick um, recap of what fundamental rights are just um, for background. So the due process clauses of the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments guarantee that no individual shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of the law. This has been interpreted to include both procedural rights and these substantive or fundamental rights. And essentially what this means, these are rights that are significant enough to individuals that they can only be infringed upon um, by the government for very limited reasons. Um, in order to restrict any sort of right, the government will show a compelling state interest and that law must be narrowly tailored and the least restrictive means for accomplishing that interest. Um, this is also known as the strict scrutiny standard. Um, examples of fundamental rights include the right to privacy, which have been um, interpreted to include the right to marry and contraception, other fundamental rights, um, for example, are freedom of speech and freedom of religion. So where does proposal three come in? So this is another response to the Dobbs ruling and it's an effort to protect the right to abortion. Basically the goal is to get abortion established as a fundamental right in some way. One option is um, to have the Michigan Supreme Court establish it um, through a lawsuit. Um, they would already find that the right exists in the Michigan Constitution. The other way is to get the right and the language explicitly established in the Michigan Constitution. That's where Proposal 3 comes in. It would add Section 28 to Article 1 of the Michigan Constitution. It's referred to reproductive freedom for all and it establishes reproductive procedures and treatments related to pregnancy as fundamental rights. So I'll go through some of the key provisions and try to pick out things that um, I think are important to know. First, um, the language defines reproductive freedom as the right to make and effectuate decisions about all matters related to pregnancy. So this language is pretty broad and inclusive. Um, it doesn't limit matters related to pregnancy. Um, it doesn't limit it to certain procedures um, or certain treatments. It highlights some examples. Um, it's also not limited to women. It refers to individuals as well. And basically the limits are that strict scrutiny standard for anything pre-viability. So needing a compelling state interest um, in order to regulate abortion pre-viability. After that, the legislature is allowed to restrict um, as long as it does not um, uh, threaten the life or health of the mother um, post viability. Uh, there's also a non-discrimination clause basically um, just says that it, this law cannot be discriminatory in um, how it is enforced or this and this right cannot be um, protected in a discriminatory way. And there's also a clause about protection against prosecution, which essentially means that proposal three would explicitly prohibit the state from criminally prosecuting individuals who are exercising this right, either for them and for themselves or in assistance of someone else. The language also um, goes into a little bit more detail about what a compelling state interest in is in this case. So under this amendment, the compelling state interest um, must protect the health of the person seeking care. Um, this is a little bit different than what compelling state interests have been in the past in which life of the unborn um, could potentially be a compelling state interest, but that wouldn't apply in this case. Um, it must protect the health of the person seeking care. It must also be consistent with accepted clinical standards of practice and evidence-based medicine, and it cannot infringe on the individual's autonomous decision-making. 
fetal viability is also defined um, as the point in pregnancy in which there is a significant likelihood of the fetus's sustained survival outside of the uterus without the application of extraordinary medical measures. Um, this language is not defined further, so it's a little bit unclear what, um, what exactly this means. And this point in pregnancy, when this point is, will depend on the particular facts of the case and the professional judgment of a healthcare professional. So it's not like fetal viability would be at a set number of weeks, um, and it could be different depending on each pregnancy. Lastly, there's a clause on the execution of the amendment that basically means that it's self-executing and the entirety of the amendment um, can go into effect without any additional legislative action. Um, and any subsection that is found to be invalid could be severed from the rest without it invalidating uh, the entire amendment. So as I mentioned before, there's three potential outcomes or pathways um, that could happen as a result of the ballot proposal. I'm gonna go through each of these um, different scenarios. So the first is, in this scenario, there would be no constitutional right to abortion. In this case, Proposal 3 is rejected and no right it was established by the Michigan Supreme Court. The second scenario is that there isn't a right, uh, constitutional right to abortion. This would happen if Proposal 3 is adopted, um, and that would create that right pre-viability. The third outcome is that there's still a constitutional right to abortion that is established implicitly by the Michigan Supreme Court. So even if proposal three is rejected, um, this right could still be found by the Michigan Supreme Court. And I'll go through each of these pathways. So pathway one, um, in which there's no constitutional protections for abortion. Um, so there's no, in this case, no explicit right to abortion um, and no implicit right to abortion is established by the fundamental right to bodily integrity uh, by the Michigan constitution. In this case, regulations on abortion and other reproductive care would be left entirely to the legislative process. Um, and so that means that whatever current Michigan law um, could become active. And the current Michigan statute prohibits um, abortions in all cases, except when necessary to preserve the life of the mother. Um, it is among the strictest um, in the country. It does not have an exception for rape or incest. The legislature in this case could pass different laws on abortion that could be more or less restrictive than the current statute, but it would be in the hands of the legislature to either repeal the law, to amend it, to make it more or less restricted. Um, that is That would be in their control to do. So there's some potential impacts. I'm gonna discuss a little bit of legal impact and just broader societal impacts. Um, the legal impact, um, Basically, providers would become vulnerable to prosecution and imprisonment um, for continuing their services. Um, other state laws um, that restrict abortion allow exceptions for protecting the physical or general health of the woman, um, but Michigan's law requires that it has to protect the, um, the life. Um, and so only laws that, you know, only abortions that would be necessary to protect the life of the woman um, would be allowed. And so that might lead uh, providers to be unsure about how severe of a health condition does, does an individual need to be experiencing to justify um, providing that service. So um, they may be hesitant to provide those kinds of services. Um, some of the language of the 1931 law may also be challenged in court. Um, the Supreme Court has, uh, Michigan Supreme Court has um, spoken to a few things about the 1931 law, but since it has been mostly inactive um, for decades, um, it is possible that there's 
maybe some confusion about how it um, might be interpreted. And providers generally only change their behavior if the law is adequately enforced. And um, this could really vary um, depending on the preferences of local county prosecutors. It could depend on who the state AG is at the time. Um, so this could lead to some variation in which it's you can still obtain access to abortion in some counties and not in others. The general societal impact, um, this would lead to a reduction in the number of abortions performed. Um, which inevitably uh, would increase the birth rate. And this could have both positive and negative impacts on society. There's arguments um, for both. Um, the increase in birth rate, um, the, one of the potential arguments is that this could um, lead to a larger burden on state services, um, on the healthcare system as more um, individuals are experiencing pregnancy. Um, on the education system, on the foster care system. Um, but there are also arguments that an increase in birth rates could have some positive um, effects for increasing the state workforce, um, making more children available for adoption for those that want it, et cetera. Um, there's also just a general impact on the physical and mental health of the individuals who have to experience pregnancy and um, how, uh, and their, inability to function as individuals and how that could potentially impact society at large. And then there's the fact that um, the fact that the county by county variation could exacerbate existing health disparities among these counties in which some individuals that already are more vulnerable to certain negative health outcomes might also um, have uh, a more difficult time uh, gaining access to any abortion or other reproductive services that they might need. The second pathway, which Proposal 3 creates an explicit constitutional right to abortion. In this case, individuals will retain the access to abortion they had prior to the Dobbs decision with fewer legal hurdles and may have increased access to abortion at later stages of pregnancy. So if this right is established this way, it would apply to a wider range of healthcare services um, beyond abortion. Um, so this may apply to significantly more people. This um, would also protect the right um, to abortion from legislative override um, because it would be explicitly established in the constitution and because the constitutional language um, would take precedence. Um, only another constitutional amendment could potentially eliminate or curtail this right. So it would make um, the right to abortion more secure. The potential impact um, of this scenario. So, the language of the proposal um, is broad um, and undefined, so that could potentially invite some legal challenges. Um, just some examples that people have talked about, what does individual mean? Who does that include? Um, what physical and mental health conditions are severe enough to be considered um, threatened by um, a, any given law? And um, are things like a ban on public funding, do those qualify as a uh, discriminatory action? It's also unclear which laws could be impacted if the proposal passes. So there's, like I said, there's a lot of laws that currently regulate um, abortion. And so it's unclear which one of these would be, um, would have to be changed or amended. Um, for example, there's, there's laws on informed consent, there is an, an insurance opt-out and several others. The societal impact, um, basically abortion legalization in the literature has generally been shown to benefit women and society at large. Um, it's found that 
abortion legalization generally um, in the past has increased women's educational attainment, um, labor force participation, and earnings. Um, but there is limited data on expanding abortion access to this degree and just expanding reproductive health services so widely um, because that is not something that has happened. There isn't much data about it. Um, some um, opponents of uh, the proposal argue that expanding it uh, to this degree could lead to more negative outcomes for women, potentially including riskier sexual, sexual activity. But like I said, there isn't um, data to really show this. So the third outcome um, that could happen, so the Michigan Supreme Court could find an implicit constitutional right to abortion. Um, and this could happen. So if there's a lawsuit um, filed by Planned Parenthood of Michigan and the Court of Claims has already found in favor of them, um, basically saying that the 1931 law is invalid and violates the Michigan constitutional right to bodily integrity. And that right has already been established in a previous uh, Michigan Supreme Court case. However, the Michigan Supreme Court has yet to weigh in on this, and so it's unclear um, if they will agree with the Court of Claims or not. Um, any fundamental right that is established this way um, by the Michigan Supreme Court is likely to be narrower um, than the right that could be established by the language of Proposal 3. So with that, that means that the parameters of this right um, are more vulnerable to restriction by legislation if it is um, a more narrow right. In addition, um, just as Roe was overturned um, by later courts, if the right is established this way, that means that a future Supreme Court could also overturn this right. So overall, um, even if a, a right to abortion is established, um, it, it might be less secure um, than one that would be established by the proposal. So just some takeaways to leave you with. Um, the reversal of Roe necessitates substantial legal and policy changes. Proposal three could potentially expand access to abortion to later stages of pregnancy. It could lift certain restrictions that have previously been in place and establish additional rights to a wider range of, of reproductive health services. Um, abortion legal legalization has generally been shown to have positive effects, but the impact of this expansive right is unknown. The proposal's language is broad and largely undefined, making it vulnerable to a host of legal challenges. If the proposal does fail, a right to abortion may still be found by the Michigan Supreme Court. And the current uh, Michigan abortion law um, is among the strictest in the country, but um, how that is enforced is still up in the air and it could vary widely by local county prosecutors um, and could vary widely across the state.